Good morning. Today we're continuing our series on God's presence. God's presence with us, in us, and through us. And the last couple of weeks, Danny has spoken to us uh, in this series. And he's spoken about uh, our identity and the provision and guidance of God's presence. And he spoke about how God's people knew who they were by his presence with them. They received his guidance and his provision every day. And so do we, because we have his Holy Spirit. And last week he spoke from that beautiful psalm that Pete mentioned earlier, Psalm 139. God sees us and knows us completely, and he's near to us always. And I asked Danny uh, in the last couple of days if he could give me a nice succinct sentence to sum up uh, last week's sermon. And here's what he said. The comprehensive, inescapable, beautiful presence of God. How like Danny are those words. He's such a wordsmith. Uh, And that was a great sermon. If you haven't heard those sermons, uh, you should go back and listen to them. Today, though, we're going to talk about what happens when you can't feel the presence of God. What it can be like when we're in the valleys of life, in the dark times. So first of all, I want you to take a look at this passage from 1 Kings. The man of God came up and told the king of Israel, this is what the Lord says. Because the Arameans think the Lord is a God of the hills and not a God of the valleys, I will deliver this vast army into your hands and you will know that I am the Lord. This is God saying to his people and to his enemies, I'm not just God in one place, I'm God everywhere. You need to know that I'm the same God wherever you are, I'm not stuck in one place. And you know, we can easily do what those Arameans did. We try to limit God, we try to put him into a box that we can understand And when we do that, we limit what he can do in our lives. We limit uh, his power in us. Today, I'm hoping we walk away from this message with an understanding that no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how we're feeling or where we are, whether we feel like we're on a mountaintop or in a deep valley, we know that God is there and he is the Lord. So there's... Lots and lots of Bible verses that talk about God's presence. And I just want us to have a look at a few as we begin today. So let's have a look here. We're going to start in Isaiah. And we read, For the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. God goes ahead of us and behind us. He's holding us in his hand. And then from Deuteronomy, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And then this beautiful psalm that many of you will know, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. So many verses in our Bible that talk of God's presence with us. And just recently I've come across this beautiful Irish blessing, which I think encapsulates uh, some of what these Bible verses are saying. Have a look at this. Christ beside me, 
Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ within me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me. God is everywhere and he's right here with us. Sometimes God's presence is tangible. Sometimes we seek him and we feel his very real presence. And we're going to talk about that in these next couple of weeks. But sometimes we can't feel God's presence at all. And that's our focus for today. We often use that metaphor of the mountain and the valley of life. And sometimes we find ourselves in the valley. Sometimes God feels distant or even absent. And I want us to have a look at this psalm, Psalm 13. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? From all those other verses we've read, do you think God actually forgets about us? Do you think he just looks the other way? God's all around us. He's always looking. He's in us. He doesn't abandon us and he doesn't look the other way. When David wrote this psalm, he wasn't writing a theological statement. He was just expressing to God how he felt and what he was experiencing. So let's have a look at the whole psalm. Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O oh Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall, but I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. Hmm. How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart? Does that resonate with you at all? Have you ever felt anguish in your soul? Some of you will be going, oh, yeah, that describes how I felt. What about restore the sparkle to my eyes? Have you ever felt like the life's just gone from your eyes? Just over eight years ago, I was in a deep valley. And these words really describe well my experience. Uh, over the last few weeks, I've been debating whether to get up here and share uh, this part of my story with you. Uh, but I've been working through that and praying, and I just want us to understand more about God's presence. And so I'm going to share some of my story and pray that it's helpful today. So let me set the scene. I was living in Mornington, and uh, I was working for our church, and I'd been working there for almost 10 years as a worship coordinator or a worship and creative arts coordinator. And I loved my job. I was extremely passionate about helping people connect with God and helping people connect with God through music and creative ways and create, creating those creative experiences for people to engage with God. Uh, the last few years, uh, it was a three-day-a-week job for me, and I probably spent about five or six days most weeks doing my job, uh, seven if it was around Christmas. And I didn't do that because it was expected or because I had to. I did it because I loved it. 
Danny's ministry at that point, and if you don't know Danny and I, Danny's the senior pastor here at CCW and we're married, Danny's ministry at that point was voluntary. Uh, And he supported me in my ministry, really. He looked after the kids. I have lots of strong memories of doing my thing while Danny was out in the foyer trying to feed a screaming baby with a bottle. Uh, He was a great, great husband for me. Always has been. Not just at those times. Uh, It was hard work for all of us, for both of us. Uh, And there were difficult times. But overall, it was amazing and we loved it. Uh, After some time, Danny left his work as a physio and started studying and working as a pastor as well. And we were sharing parenting and home duties and our roles at church. During the last couple of years that we lived in Mornington, Danny became the pastor of a smaller campus of our church. And I ended up joining him there and my role started to change and morph and become more of a pastoral role. And I knew God was in that and I loved that too. I had a great family. Uh, My mum and dad lived uh, in Rosebud, only about 20 minutes away from where we were, and we were part of the same church as well. And I spent a lot of time with them. I was very close to my mum. Our two boys had a great relationship with them too. Uh, My son Matthew, for some of you, you'll know a lot about my kids and some of you won't. My son Matthew has autism. And around these last couple of years in Mornington, he was really starting to struggle. Uh, He found school very difficult, not the work, that was easy, but the rest of it, uh, the change that it involved, the people, the social norms, it was stressful. He didn't sleep well either, and so sleep deprivation was very real for our family. And then there was my mum. She and Matthew just got each other. They got along really well and were very close, and she was a big help to us with him. Those last couple of years, mum had cancer. She fought it. But in the midst of this, Danny and I discovered that our roles at church weren't going to continue anymore. It's a messy story, like sometimes happens, and I'm not going to go into all the the messy part of it. It's enough to say that it was a painful experience for us and for others as well. And during discussions with our church leadership, we heard from God and we knew that it was time for us to move on. And we decided that uh, with God's guidance, it was time for us not to just to move to a new church, but it was time for Danny to be able to take on a full-time role as a pastor uh, and really sink his teeth into that role. And I was all for this. I knew it was God's work. I knew it was the right thing. But what I didn't realise was how hard it was actually going to be for me. I had to give up what I'd been doing for 10 years. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I did trust that God would take care of it and he'd take care of me. So, in December 2011, the Holmes family moved to Warrigal and Danny became the pastor here at CCW. At the same time, mum was in the final stages of her fight with cancer. I spent all of January driving between Warrigal and Rosebud and Mornington, uh, spending as much time as I could with mum as well as prepping my boys for starting at a new school and Danny with his new ministry, it was a hard time for all of us. And I'm very thankful for the people that we hardly knew in Warrigal who helped during that time. Now, if you've had anything to do 
with kids or teens with autism, you can imagine that for Matthew, it was a hard time as well. Uh, Moving house, moving towns, starting a new school, it's a very big deal and not easy to deal with for him. And at the same time, he had a mum who was pretty much absent uh, and he was dealing too with his nana dying. It was in the first week of school starting back that mum died. And I grieved. I'd had tough times before, but I'd never experienced this. Anguish in my soul, sorrow in my heart. My grief was compounded by not having a job anymore. Once the funeral was over, I had to come home and pick up the slack. Danny had been carrying things, but he had a new job to try and do. I was getting calls from school every day uh, because Matthew was struggling. In fact, he just wasn't coping. He was an emotional wreck, just like his mum was. Uh, He was violent and he was melting down all the time. It was just hard. Everything seemed hard. And in hindsight, I realised that I was grieving for the loss of my mum, but I was also grieving for the friends. I had very close friends that I'd left And I was grieving because this passion that had filled me for so long had no outlet now. I had no work. And now I felt like I had to be the housewife. Never done well with that. Danny's always been uh, a great husband and great dad and he's always uh, done his bit around the house. But all of a sudden he was full-time in a new role and I had to pick up the slack. It was my turn. I was also now a pastor's wife, which brought unexpected, unexpected expectations I hadn't thought about. Uh, And all through that, I was an emotional mess. I sought God through this time. I wanted to trust him, even though I didn't really understand why things had to be this way. But I couldn't feel him. I couldn't hear from him. I'd developed a very close relationship with God where um, I sought his presence and I uh, received guidance and words from him uh, pretty regularly and easily. That, That was just the way I walked with God. But all of a sudden, I didn't even feel like singing. And if you know me, that's a pretty big deal. I'd put my usual worship music on and I just felt horrible and disengaged. I remember one day where I was feeling really desperate. And I was sitting in the bath and I'd put some music on just in the background and I was saying to God, where are you? Why can't I sense you here anymore? Sounds a little bit like Psalm 13, doesn't it? Oh Lord, how long will you forget me? How long will you look the other way? That day when I cried out to God, I got a picture in my mind. And I'm not someone that usually hears from God in pictures. Other people do. That's not my thing. But that day, I got a picture of myself sitting at the bottom of a pit. And at the top of the pit was God's hand. Now at the time, I have to say the picture made no sense to me at all. In fact, I said to God, hang on, aren't you meant to be with me? Why are you at the top and I'm at the bottom? What does that mean? Now, theologically, 
I knew that God was with me. He wasn't at the top of the pit. He was all around me. He was in me. But I couldn't feel him. And in actual fact, I wasn't really feeling much at the time, apart from pain and loss. It was a pretty dark time for me. Most people at church had no idea that this was going on for me. And if you're sitting at home thinking, ah, we didn't know about this. Dominique, we're sorry. That's okay. I was pretty good at pulling myself together when I came to church on a Sunday morning and trying to keep it together. But when it came to God, I didn't try to keep it together. I knew I didn't have to. And so I would cry out to him. But I just felt spiritually dead. When God gave me that picture, I didn't really know what to do with it. Was he telling me he was leaving me alone for a while? Was he expecting me to climb out of the pit on my own? Even though I didn't understand it, when God gave me that picture, it was actually a breakthrough moment for me because I'd sought God and he'd answered. And although I was a little frustrated by this picture, as the fog of grief slowly lifted from me, that picture started to make sense. I wasn't capable of feeling God's presence during those times. My emotions were raw and yet dead at the same time. And I believe that God was letting me know that he was right there waiting for me and that as soon as I was ready, he was there. I realised that, that now he was making his presence known to me in a different way that I could experience. I remember a few different times towards uh, the end of this valley experience, feeling like I was coming out of a fog. And I remember each time thinking, oh, I think this is it. I think I'm through the fog now. And then a while later, I'd think, oh, I feel like I'm coming out of a fog. Hang on. I've said that before. Some of you who've experienced grief probably know what I'm talking about. There are times when we deliberately do the wrong thing, when we sin. And in those times, sometimes we don't experience God's presence. Now, if you know right now that you're doing the wrong thing, you're not living how God wants you to live, and you're not experiencing his presence, then I just encourage you to come before him. Confess. Tell him what you're feeling but let him know that you want to change things and he'll forgive you just like that. But there's lots of other things that can stop us experiencing God's presence. And for me, it was grief. I know people with chronic pain that struggle to experience God's presence, uh, relationship breakdown, depression, anxiety. There's lots of things in our lives which affect how we feel and how we experience God's presence. I chose Psalm 13 because it expresses this so well. Let's have a look at it again. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O oh Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. This really describes what I was experiencing and what I was saying to God that day. Where are you? Why can't I feel you? Have you left me? But I 
struggled too with the way that David ends this psalm. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you've rescued me. I will sing to the Lord. Now you notice that when David writes this, he doesn't say, oh, thank you, God. You've made yourself known to me again. Now I trust you. Now I sing to you. No, David's not feeling God's presence with him, but he trusts God anyway. Back when I was in the deepest valley, I struggled to be able to say that. I wasn't rejoicing. I could hardly sing. I was barely trusting God. I was just kind of hanging in there. And I've examined that many times. It's been, you know, over eight years. I've had lots of time to reflect on what went on. And I try to figure out, did I do the wrong thing? Was it sinful of me the way I couldn't seek God? We're broken people. Was it my lack of understanding? We live in a broken world. Was that the cause? You know, grief can shut down our senses. It can make us feel separated from God even when we're not. I'm not perfect. Did I choose not to seek God? Did I do the wrong thing? And you know what? I don't know. I've sat with God. I've repented of any wrongdoing. And whether I just felt separated from God or whether I was choosing not to seek him or probably some combination of the two, one thing I do know is that I don't feel any shame. Because something that I've learned is that when you sit in the presence of God, there's no room for shame. He pours mercy out as we sit with him. Have a look at these verses from Titus with me. When God our Saviour revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Holy Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Saviour. He's right there all the time, pouring out mercy. When we lift up our shame, his mercy washes it away. I'm broken. You're broken. We all are. And there may be times where we feel like we can't find God. Maybe we can't even seek him. In those times, cling to the knowledge, to the truth that God is with you. His presence is right there. Know that he's there in the dark, in the fog. He's there with you as the fog clears. And know that he will be there when the fog has cleared. And in his presence, there's grace and there's mercy for any shame you might feel, for any questions or any doubts that you have. And when that fog lifts, when the emotional roller coaster eases up a little, you may even find that there's new life in the presence of God. You may find him in new ways. Now, I've told you this piece of my story today just to help illustrate this dynamic. But I've also just had enough relationships with people and done enough in my counselling and pastoral work to know that many of you will relate to the things that I've been saying. 
My story is just that, my own experience. You'll have had different circumstances. And there don't need to be comparisons about what causes us to be in a valley. My story is full of just very normal human experiences. Nothing particularly horrific, but for me it was a valley. And I don't know what your valleys have been or maybe what they are right now. I know I'll have valleys again. But my hope is that if I experience the anguish of my soul again, I'll now know the truth of God's presence even when I can't feel him. And I'll be able to say that whole psalm. That's my hope. God, I can't feel you, but I put my trust in you anyway. I sing to you. God says, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You may not feel like you can seek him with all your heart right now, but when you can, when you can, you'll find that there's fullness of joy and life that is truly life in his presence. So today, wherever you're at, I encourage you to seek God as much as you are able. If you're on a mountaintop right now, then seek him, sing for joy, speak out of your trust in him for whatever the future holds, mountains and valleys. But if you're in a valley today, take comfort in knowing that there are many Christians who have been in valleys before you, and there will be today. God's right there, even if you can't feel him. Know that God's mercy is pouring out, and when you're ready, you'll receive that. Seek God as much as you can, and that might just be an acknowledgement that you will seek him when you can. Sometimes it means shouting at God, shouting your questions, shouting your doubts. And you know, God's big enough and merciful enough to take that from us. Our God never changes, but we do. He's God in the mountains and the valleys, and there are mountains and valleys for us. We're broken and we're loved. We're imperfect and there is mercy pouring out. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are always with us. Help us to know you and to trust you more and more. And God, for those people listening right now who are experiencing a valley season in their life, God, please help them to know that you are with them, whether they can feel you or not. And at the right time, Lord, help them to seek you and to know your presence right there with them. May you help each one of us know the love and the mercy that you are pouring out to each of us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.